As you know, the On Farm podcast is brought to you by the team at Seen and Heard PR and Marketing. And I just wanted to remind you about a new initiative that's happening here called On Record. On Record is a project to preserve voices, stories and memories for the future with your very own audio recording. So we're recording memories of rural life. We're travelling around Scotland, working with families and organisations to capture precious voices of family members or staff members or long-serving office bearers to preserve those for posterity and sometimes for historical value. So if you think this project is something that you'd like to be involved in and maybe you have a grandparent or a parent that you'd like to capture on audio while you can, please do get in touch. You can find out more at onrecordmemories.co.uk. Hello, producer Dave here, Dave Howard. This is a slightly different episode of On Farm. It's because we're still slightly reeling, to be honest, from the news of Monty's brain tumour and as a team, really, figuring out how we will do things from now on. So this episode's a bit of a stopgap while we make some of those plans and put in place a few of the changes that we need to make so we can keep moving forward. That's not to say that this isn't a good listen. Uh, A few weeks ago, Anna and I, it should have been Monty, but he was obviously already not well when we did the recording, uh, had a great chat with Hayley Hayes, who presents the Radio Academy podcast. The Radio Academy, if you're not familiar with them, is the UK radio and audio industry charity. They make it their mission to promote excellence in UK radio and audio. So, naturally... They wanted to talk to the makers of the very excellent on-farm podcast. So we thought we'd share this this week as a, it's kind of a glimpse behind the scenes of what goes on at On-Farm HQ and how far we've come since we launched in January 2020. Uh, We'll be back soon with more of the usual episodes that you're used to. For now though, over to the Radio Academy and Hayley Hayes. Hi there, welcome to the Radio Academy podcast. Today, my guests are Anna Davis, the host, and Dave Howard, the producer of the renowned On Farm podcast, where they delve into the heart of agriculture, sharing stories that resonate with farmers and enthusiasts alike. In the vast landscape of podcasts, On Farm stands out as it focuses solely on the intricate world of farming practices, sustainable agriculture, and rural innovations. It's this specialised focus that has made On Farm farm not just successful but indispensable to Scottish farmers and agri-enthusiasts around the globe. I used to think that there were sheep and there were cows. <laughs> I then learned that there were, you know, yows and bullocks and heifers and steers and stots and gimmers and, you know, all these kinds of things, which really at the start seemed pretty overwhelming. Two weeks ago when I when I went to my neighbour up the road and I went up to him and I told him that I was ADHD, he'd never heard of of, of it before and then I was like you know when I you know I'm working on a project and then I never finish it and he interrupted me and he goes so is this like the days I go in and your sheep are all over the place and I phone you and I go how are my sheep out and, and, and then he says because you forgot to close the gate and I was like yes that's it that's exactly it so he's like okay I understand it now have you got the, the, the family travelling with you then uh, you've got the young yes, one on the back uh, the dad is in the shearing right He's shearing. And you've got, you've got, how old is this one on your back? Uh, uh, one and a half. Right, and does she just come with you and, and experience it? We, we work like this, so uh-huh. right. he does the shearing and uh-huh. I do the wool handling with her like this. Are you all right? Not yet. 
my brother c competed in this competition and came second three times and he died five years ago and his son just won it. My brother never quite won it. They came second here three times. And his son and his has son just, won just won it for won. him. He's my nephew. You're a nephew. Yeah. Thank you so much for speaking to us. I should also mention here that Monty, who is Anna's business partner and an integral part of the podcast, was unable to join us today as he is currently under the weather. So we wish him well, but you'll hear him mentioned a few times throughout the interview. Before I delve in to understand how such a niche podcast claims success and longevity, at the time of recording, the northeast of Scotland was recovering from an onslaught of rain after Storm Babette. We're having this chat, you know, the week after the horrendous weather in Angus and, and a bit further north than where Anna and I are, just bridges being blown out and, and people being killed, swept away in floods. So I have to ask a, a kind of a question then on the podcast. How far ahead do you record? Are you going to be able to dive in the weather during your podcast or have you already recorded the next three months worth? I was just having that exact thought myself, Haley. I'm thinking we should be doing an episode on this, why aren't we? So at the moment, we've got some episodes in the can that we can run, but we have flexibility as well because we've got them in a, in a... When I used to work for the BBC, we used to call it a stock pot. So we had a stock pot of, of, of episodes that we've got that we can put out if we're not able to record one for any reason. But yeah, I actually think, Anna, we should probably have a chat with Andrew about uh, about what's been going on here. Will Evans as well was posting about how his entire crop's been destroyed. Well, I guess you have to be relatable to your audience, right? So if they're going through hardship, you don't want to come across as ignorant of that. It's a balance though, isn't it? Because as with all podcasting, you kind of want your content to be as evergreen as possible so that when people come to it at a later point, it, it, it still feels relevant to them. So how do you usually pick the topics regardless of like world events and weather? Kind of, It's kind of a mixture of everything. We have we, we, we have a master spreadsheet, for, for want of a better word, um, where we all feed in ideas. So it might be that, you know, you've, we've been out and we've heard somebody speaking at an event or we've seen somebody on telly or heard them on the radio and or that we've had a tweet from a listener saying, oh, you should chat, go and chat to this family because they're really fascinating. So we feed all those ideas into that spreadsheet. And sometimes they literally come to us in the middle of the night or, you know, whatever. So um, there's not really a, a strategy for that. But we do have, uh, I suppose, criteria in terms of, well, we just have to sit down and think, right, well, we know who our kind of average listener is. Is this a topic that they're going to be interested in for a start? If no, then it you know it gets ditched straight away. And if yes, then uh, it gets added into the mix. We work with businesses and organisations who commission episodes as well, so that plays a part in it too. So the the Royal Highland Society, who run the Royal Highland Show, which is like Scotland's biggest agricultural show, they commissioned a series of episodes during lockdown because the show itself couldn't go ahead. So they still wanted to reach their the, the farmers and the members of the public who would normally have gone to the show with some of the messages. So they commissioned us to create content in the absence of the show. And then we've also worked with agricultural and scientific research institutes to create content for them and things like that. So it's a mixture of, you know, is somebody just downright fascinating and we want to talk to them uh, but also you know is there is there something here that's kind of more along the educational content maybe of you know uh, agricultural research and, and and science and that kind of thing 
Which came first? Was it your passion for farming and agriculture or was it the podcast? It was definitely the passion first. Myself and my business partner, Monty, who's a bit unwell at the moment, so that's why he's not here today. But he and I have been running an agriculture-specific PR and marketing agency for 12 years. And, you know, we do a whole range of things, but we were just having a conversation one day and I said to him, do you know, I think there isn't, there actually isn't a Scottish rural podcast. And I think that there should be because, you know, you could, you could drive around with Dave for a day in Scotland and meet countless really, really fascinating people and families and stories all about history or culture or there was no real way of telling their stories. You know, there, there might have been an article about them in, in a, you know, in a magazine or a newspaper, but there was no current mechanism for telling the stories in their own voices. And I said to Monty, I said, I think, I think we could do this. I think we should start a Scotland's rural podcast. And he he was like, oh, ha, ha, ha. Quite often I have these kind of random ideas and Monty's like, yeah, whatever. This is just another one of your crazy ideas. And I was like, no, I'm serious. And he was like, yeah, well, do you know anything about making podcasts? And I was like, no, I know absolutely nothing about making podcasts. So I spent probably about 48 hours Googling how I could teach myself to make a podcast and became really quite despondent thinking that there's just no way that I can do this. I mean, I can barely operate a laptop. I can't create a podcast. And so literally within the 48 hours of me having immersed myself in this quite scary and depressing research, I heard that Dave, who I knew of already, but I heard that Dave was setting up his business podcast production. And I was like, oh my God, this literally couldn't have happened at a better moment. So pick the phone up straight away. And I think like it was just a matter of weeks, not even months by the time we had made our first podcast and kind of just jumped in with both feet and launched the whole thing and and made a commitment to the farming industry that we were going to create this podcast every week for like forever without having really given it very much thought. And Dave always says that there's so many podcasts only last for like six or seven episodes. And yet we've managed 150 and we're still going. And it's um, sometimes I still have to pinch myself. I couldn't have been more delighted to have got that phone call because I, I worked for the BBC for 17 years, um, mostly at Radio 1 and, uh, and making docs for Radio 4 as well. Throughout that time, I was always the one in the kind of morning meetings in at Newsbeat and elsewhere pitching rural stories. So, you know, you'd be in this sort of boardroom in Broadcasting House and going, I think we should do something about badges and TB. Um, and everyone would look at you funny because obviously it was quite an urban environment. But I, I grew up in a farming community. I was brought up on the, on the Black Mountains uh, on the Welsh border, obviously living in Scotland now. So I really want, I've always wanted to kind of champion rural voices. And I think, you know, they too often get overlooked. So throughout my career, I've been trying to do that. And now, you know, it's been a bit of a dream come true working with Anna and Monty to, you know, to do this week in, week out and get out and about around the most beautiful parts of Scotland, getting out to people's farms just to find out what their lives are like, you know, so I'm not having to fight for it anymore. So you're obviously the production element, Dave, is there anyone else? Is it just you? What we're looking at resourcing wise? Well, it's mostly me, Anna and Monty in terms of actually the uh, recording and editing of the episodes. Anna did herself a disservice earlier in the chat by saying she doesn't know how a laptop works because both Anna and Monty are very capable of going out and recording stuff uh, and coming back with excellent, excellent material from location visits. They We've got the same remote recording tool that you're using for this podcast as well so we can do remote podcasts. That can get a bit tricky because sometimes you're dealing with maybe older 
farmers, people with not great internet connection, things like that. So, you know, we have to kind of take a by hook or by crook approach to getting the best audio from people when we're working remotely. We've got brilliant Jan as well, haven't we, Anna, who does a lot of the social media and, and kind of promotion stuff. And there's um, another excellent guy on the team, John, who does a lot of the kind of visual design things. And Patrick. Patrick from your team and Jack often it's like well we need to go to Inverness to record this particular podcast who's free on that day who's gonna go and then we'll jump in a car and and, and head on up so uh, sometimes there's a fight about it but it, because everybody wants to you know the, the most fun part of this is actually going physically to meet people rather than necessarily recording remotely so sometimes there's a bit of a kind of elbow fight about who gets to go at the start of this we heard your best clips from recent episodes one of them that caught my attention was the adhd episode which i wouldn't have automatically assumed adhd and farming would go together tell me about that it's kind of widely understood that adhd is underdiagnosed in farming circles the reason we decided to do an episode about it was because quite a prominent farmer called Will Evans wrote a column. He's got a weekly column in, in, in the Farmers Weekly and devoted a column to having been diagnosed as an adult with ADHD. And at the same time, uh, a guy who is a, a friend of the podcast and a broadcaster up here called Donald McSween, he's got a, a croft on the Isle of Lewis. He was diagnosed with ADHD at the same time, and he was tweeting saying, oh my goodness, it's such a relief to finally understand this about myself. And I think we kind of had heard, Anna, hadn't we, that there has been research and people looking into why ADHD is so prevalent in farming circles, and, and indeed whether it is prevalent in farming circles. Kind of makes sense, you know, people that are good with their hands and really good at practical things, but perhaps didn't do very well at school because some of the kind of academic hoops they were asked to jump through, you know, they weren't so good at doing. So anyway, these two things, I guess, converged in my mind. And I was like, this is a moment, you know, with Will saying this over here and Donald saying that over there, let's get them both on and get them to share their stories. And actually, it was really funny, Anna, wasn't it? We just didn't even need to say anything because they're both such great talkers. It was just like, hit record, sit back, let them share their stories, you know. Yeah, they are both used to broadcasting anyway, one on television and one on podcasting and I don't think they'd ever actually spoken before to each other but they it's like they became the best of friends on our platform and um and yeah just sh they're yeah sharing experiences I think and and understanding why or, or how you know some of their behaviors had been seen as different when they were younger and, and actually understanding why that was and you know having ADHD I think for a lot of people, it's important that it is diagnosed. Some people perhaps don't wish to be diagnosed, but for some people, it's important to be diagnosed. But actually, it doesn't make you any less of a farmer. You know, they're, they're still incredibly able, but it just maybe explains why, as Dave said, why some of the academic asks of them just didn't fit and, and that's why perhaps they didn't go down an academic route and I think there's a theory there's a theory that you know say there are three or four children in a farming family there's kind of the theory that those who are academic will perhaps go and work elsewhere they might go and work you know as an, a, an oil rig engineer or something like that or go off and become a doctor or a lawyer and the ones who are more practical will stay at home and farm and that's maybe they think possibly why there is a higher prevalence of ADHD among farmers because those people preferred and it suited them to stay at home and, and work in a more practical sense and as I said I do, it's not you know it's not impacting on their ability to farm but it, it's important I think for many people to to for it to be recognized <laughs> yeah much as we love to walk on heather hills and tell really uplifting stories 
we cover some quite hard hitting topics as well. You know, we've we've done several episodes on mental health and and suicide, and it's important that that we strike that balance between reality, but also, as Dave said, you know, championing Scottish farming and making sure that our content hits all of those different requirements. Because actually, when you start to drill down, there are quite a lot of requirements that we've probably given ourselves or challenges that we've set ourselves of everything we want to cover and and finding that balance is is kind of really important. And what's the listener feedback on those type of topics? We we do actively ask for it. And I actually we've had some really nice videos and audio clips sent to us from listeners just saying, hi, you know, my name's Helen and I listen and this is why I enjoy it. But primarily it's it's probably primarily on Twitter, actually, that people will come back and say, yeah, this really this really impacted me or this has given me an idea of another topic that I think you should cover or or even just kind of more random, just like, oh, well, you know, tagging a, a family or a farm or a farm shop or a business saying actually you should you should go and chat to these guys because they've got a similar or perhaps they've got a different experience of a topic that we happen to have covered. I wouldn't imagine a farming community to be naturally into podcasts. I wouldn't imagine during their everyday life they've got AirPods in. Were you surprised how engaged they were with the podcast? Now, don't get me wrong. I I, I would like every farmer to be listening to our podcast. And I know that every farmer doesn't listen to our podcast, sadly, because you're right. I think farmers, if you can group them together, perhaps are not as engaged with podcasting in general as you know an urban population might be. But having said that, you know, if you think about a lot of farmers, my husband is an example of this actually. He's an arable farmer. During his busy times, he could be 12 hours non-stop sitting in a tractor. And he has said to me that, you know, he, he used to feel quite frustrated. He's always quite hungry to kind of, you know, learn stuff. And he used to be frustrated at the idea that those 12 hours in a tractor, he was just listening to music and not really learning anything. But when the podcasting became a thing, he started to download podcasts and so he listens to a massive range of podcasts whether it's like politics or rugby or on farm and I think there are an increasing number of people like him who are sitting in a tractor and looking to kind of get some interesting content rather than just always listening to to music radio Um, so but you know one of my key jobs stroke goals is to raise awareness and get more farmers listening and you know we've Dave and I and Monty you know we've been at events before and we've literally said to the farmer look here give me your mobile phone and I'll show you how to listen to a podcast and once they've been shown once it's easy and I've only ever had one person say to me oh podcasting you know that's never going to take off I'm not going to listen to that everybody else is up for trying it and and once they're shown it's easy If anyone's looking to start a niche podcast like yourselves, maybe with a low budget, maybe just with two or three people, what advice would you give them? Only do it if it's a topic that you're passionate about. You've got to be, don't just pick a niche because you think it's going to be well listened to. Pick a niche because it's something that you are passionate about because you can't go around the country creating content that doesn't interest you. And the other thing is, uh, I would say is, yeah, be you know be prepared i used to work for a magazine so i did have a bit of an idea of you know deadlines and the fact that you're on a conveyor belt and you can't get off it because that magazine has got to be printed so you do have to be a bit prepared for that that you know we have we made a commitment when we started that the on farm podcast is going to continue for kind of 
forever-ish. And that's not always been easy. We put episodes out largely as during during school term time. So we do get a break during school holidays. But so you do have to be prepared to to commit to it because nobody wants to be a one-hit wonder. Just start. Um, I think lots of people worry that, and this isn't specifically to On Farm, it's for all of the sort of branded clients that we work with uh, as sort of podcast consultants is, your first podcast episode isn't going to be amazing necessarily. You know, you need to get going and experiment as you go. It might be, you know, episode seven or eight before you really hit your stride. I think your question spoke to, do you not have a lot of budget? Then I think if that's the case, then, you know, your format needs to be built from that. Like what's achievable with the time and the money and the resource that you have. So is it going to be weekly? Is it going to be fortnightly? There's a lot of upfront thought that needs to be put into, you know, starting a podcast and making sure that it's, it's got a sustainable workflow and all that sort of thing. Anna's point about passion is, I think, absolutely key. Uh, it has to be something that you care about or, you know, it's it's a slog. But Haley, you asked, um, what advice do we have for people wanting to start a niche podcast? I actually think a podcast is the perfect media or, or, or platform for people working in a niche because it is all about building a deep and meaningful engagement and relationship with perhaps a smaller number of people. You know, you don't need Greg James's Radio 1 Breakfast Show audience. We're not going for breadth of millions of listeners. We're going for a really meaningful engagement with a smaller group of people who really care about the topic and the subject area and actually really care about the fact that we're banging the drum for them and, and helping to share these stories and, 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 and champion what people are doing day in, day out in rural Scotland. Before I let you go, how do I keep in touch? And not just with the podcast, but your own separate companies that you run. Monty and I run a business called Seen and Heard, and it's spelt seen as in scenery and heard as in a herd of cattle. Deliberately chosen because, you know, we're a PR company, but within a rural sphere. And, you know, we do a range of things, actually, you know, building websites and and copywriting and media relations. But the most fun part of what we do is definitely the On Farm podcast at on underscore farm uk that's uh, and that's on instagram and twitter you can listen to on farm through every every conceivable platform it, we do have our own website for on farm because there are still some farmers who will go onto the website and listen from there so that's on hyphen farm.co.uk my company's called bespoken so we're an edinburgh based podcast and audio production company and consultancy. The kind of three things we do, the kind of three strings to the boat, we make podcasts for people like we do with Anna and, uh, and other clients. We'll come in and we'll do kind of training and consultancy with, you know, in-house comms people. And then the other thing we do, is we make documentaries and programs, mostly for Radio 4 and the World Service. Massive thanks to Dave and Anna for their time today. Now, before I wrap up, I've got a couple of dates to mark in your calendar. First up, the Radio Academy is hosting Foot in the Door, a one-day event for people at entry level in audio. We'll be diving into everything from program production to podcasting and loads more. And the best part, there's a social event to cap off the day and your first drink is on the house. All that's happening at Leeds University on Wednesday the 8th of November. Tickets are a steal at £6 for Radio Academy members and £12 for non-members. 
get yours at radioacademy.org training. And another exciting event is Radio TechCon. The Tech and Engineering Conference is in London on Monday the 27th of November. They're offering 20 bursary spots this year, which means free tickets for people from backgrounds that are underrepresented in broadcast engineering or those facing financial barriers. Plus, winners will get a year's free membership with the Radio Academy. If you're a Radio Academy member, you're in luck. Special ticket discounts are waiting for you. Just log on to our website and grab your discount code. So mark your calendars and I'll catch you there. Bye for now.